But now I'm right there. So, listen, they have to finish the season out. It's time for us to hand LeBron his flowers so, while he's still alive so he can smell them. again to another edition of the dip nba podcast we are live once again uh ben slikerman and adam elder back at you here to really just uh spice up the end of the week here um with the hot takes of the week uh and really uh when i say hot takes of the week it's kind of hot takes of you know this first month of the nba season uh kind of kind of where we're at on some certain situations uh, ready to press some buttons today. Probably going to piss some people off. And uh, that's kind of the fun, the fun that is, uh, goes with this segment. So let's not hesitate. Adam, why don't you go ahead and dive into your first hot take? I guess these are what we would call the eyebrow razors, right? The one where people are driving on their way to work and they hear this and they're like, well, I don't know. I don't know if mine are too outlandish, but I think they're definitely going to get some shade. Yeah. But I'll start off here with the Indiana Pacers. A bit against the grain here. I'm saying that Indiana will blow it off before the trade, blow it up before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking they trade at their most desperate. They trade Sabonis. The Bo- Sabonis or Turner goes. I like Turner to Golden State. <sighs> Why? That would just make them so much better. Turner to literally just play the shot blocking role and not having to play real post defense, but just switch, you know, like he'd be too good. And then, you Mm -hmm. know, that that three point percentage would bump up because he'd be getting absolutely clean looks Mm -hmm. because he wants to shoot threes and getting fed in that offense. He'd probably go up to about 36, 37%. Little pick, pick and pop with Steph Curry. Yeah. I'd hate to see it, but to see the Warriors pull that off would be, I'm not going to say it's out of the realm of possibilities, given that they might be able to swing Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody Moses. Moses Moody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, though, but that would I feel like that would be a good fit, at least on paper, for him. But I still feel like at their most desperate, they would dish out Sabonis to somebody, too. Portland? Trailblazers? Anybody? And I think Brogdon isn't off the table, either. See, I always thought if Portland could swing a trade for Brogdon and Sabonis, that would be absolutely ideal. Like, they packaged up Nurkic, Covington. McCollum. McCollum, yeah. Send that to Indiana. Then Brogdon's your backup point guard? No, Brogdon plays two next to Dame. Pal at three? Yep. Or Pal off the bench? No, Pal at three. And then I guess at that point, you would have to run Nasir Little at four. And then... Sabonis at the five. Hmm. That's, I mean, I don't you're know. Small. Like, yeah, you're small, but at the same time, you're really dynamic offensively, like extremely dynamic offensively. Yeah, but this team is usually dynamically offensive. 
Yeah, it is dynamically offensive to watch in the playoffs. Yeah, but. But, uh, like, having Sabonis there to take over some primary ball handling and uh, playmaking roles for the Blazers could be a lot different for Dame, you know? Like, I don't know. And that's, in some ways, that would be a lateral move from what they have now because, yeah, off, like, arguably the team is good offensively. It just adding Sabonis and Brogdon, I don't know if that really even pushes the needle farther than it does. I mean, it does defensively, at least mm-hmm. guard-wise. like. I feel like that could be a great fit Brogdon next to Dame because Dame is so heavy on ball and Brogdon can play off ball. Like, I don't know. What's interesting is like the fact that they brought in Carlisle. But now they're going through a rebuild. Well, like how, how willing is Carlisle to... to They're not currently going through a rebuild, but if they would do that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like how... Yeah. if whether they just trade off like two of the pieces or they just fucking send the whole thing out on a fire cell. Uh, would Carlisle really be down for the long haul in that? Or is this going to be like a two or three year stint for him to kind of help the initiation of this rebuild? And then they bring in s- someone else. I would say it's a little bit of both. I would say instead of that, they give him like five to six years to initiate that. Because honestly, in Indiana, I feel like their timeline is not crunched at all. Like they have options. Either they find the right piece that will work around those players because on paper, they should be a good team. Like they have obviously Sabonis, Brogdon, Lavert. They have a good group of guys. But they just don't fit, you know? Like there's no clear cut small forward. Plus, TJ Warren is hurt. And I don't. I don't know what you're really getting out of him at the end of the day. Like, he's not the greatest three-point shooter. He's a great mid-range scorer, but it just doesn't work. Nothing about this really fits well on paper. And, like, I just don't see how they can ever be outside of a first-round exit team. Because the problem is, is that the fact that they have a good group of guys, that will drag them to 32 wins. Like, they'll be better than the Cavs. Like, just... I don't know. Just, like by not even trying to play team basketball some nights, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, they're at a weird spot really. And it's going to be super interesting to see which direction they go, uh, in this process, uh, having, having this talent on your roster, but it just doesn't work. It just hasn't quite worked as you would have thought it could, uh, here in the last couple of years. Uh, you have a new offensive, a great offensive-minded coach in Rick Carlisle. Maybe he wants to take this roster in some different directions too, and maybe that will influence, of course, the uh, the movement uh, here before the trade deadline. Obviously, we still got a while till then, but uh, those rumors are going to start rumbling before too long, uh, just around the league in general about all the teams. So, all right. So, my first hot take is the Brooklyn Nets will finish outside of the top ten for offensive rating. Currently sitting at 21st. Jeez, that's not good. Even with KD looking this good. That's a super hot take, though. <laughs> that's not hot, though. Outside what, of the top man. 10 for the year? Dude, they might honestly just be trying to glide through this regular season until the playoffs. Like, Harden is clearly slowly playing himself into shape. He looked disgusting the other night. Like, it's not going well for him. But... 
I don't know, like seeing them outside the top 10, that doesn't feel wrong to me. Like I could see them there. You said at 21st, mm-hmm. I could see them working it back up to like 13th or 14th. Maybe they really do take this entire off season. Just blah, you know, like they're sitting fourth in the conference for record six and three right now. I just, I know it hasn't been hitting as hard as it can. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see if, like you said, it it doesn't really hit as hard as it can throughout this regular season, and they really do just hold off to our playoffs, or they really just don't find their groove until the playoffs, because uh, they had a decent bit of turnover as well. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting now, and then, you know, of course, the whole Kyrie dynamic could easily be affecting their team as well uh, in ways that we don't really notice that aren't necessarily tangible on television. But uh, it's 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 crazy to think that a team like Kevin Durant would finish outside of the top 10 in offensive rating right. when you really think about it. But I'm like, it's not necessarily out of the realm of possibility for this team overall. Especially when you're starting Blake Griffin at the four or the five. Right. And like, Marcus Aldridge is getting a lot of minutes too. But you know what the thing is, is that we all see that there's something like not working up to potential there, but they're six and three. Mm-hmm. Like, they're fine. You know, like <laughs> they're still winning games. Like it's yep. that's crazy to me to even think about because of how bad Harden has looked at some points. Like Harden looks like he's just four steps behind what he used to be at, before the hamstring injury. Like, but they're six and, and three. Like, and what well, and a crazier, nice. even like and crazier thought is like not necessarily about the Nets, but like, for example, the Philadelphia 76ers, everyone just talking. Just, oh, how things are ugly in Philadelphia and they're just, they're in trouble, this, that, and the other. First in offensive rating right now. First in the Eastern Conference at eight and two and sitting just outside of the top 10 in defensive rating, I think. Oh, they're 18th in defensive rating, but number one in offensive rating right now, eight and two in the conference. It's, it's looking pretty decent for Philly right now. <laughs> I mean, they're one Joel and beat injury away from uh, tanking yikes. their season. Yikes. Take that out of it. Out of the realm of possibilities. Well, I mean, I'm saying it, it, their season's over. If that happens. Exactly. I just don't even want it. Like if that went down, I would feel sick. Yeah. I don't want it to happen at all. I like Joel as an, as a player a lot. His personality is awesome. Uh, he, he's a fun player to watch. He's got a lot of swag to him. It's it's gonna suck if he suffers a major injury, but mm-hmm. not even necessarily a major injury, just one that takes him out for a while because he's notorious for that. So they're in trouble, but it's not looking too dark right now. But they are that one that one little miss misstep away. They have five forty percent three point shooters on their team. That's not crazy. That's what they need. <laughs> Joel Embiid is number five with he's just under 40% at 39.4. Man's got all the space he needs right now. Right? Whether it's, is from that, a sh- whether it's from his teammates or himself. Mm-hmm. He's still getting eight free throws a game, so he's still going to the line. 78% from the line. 43.5% field goal. That, that'll go up, definitely. I could see that going up to about at least 49 to 50 if not mm-hmm. a little more than that. So he could be going up to that 29 points a game. Right now he's at 21. But Niang, I had a lot of doubts in his fit there because he'd always been kind of like a bench hype player for the Jazz. 
Mm-hmm. But he's stepping into a real three-point shooting role with the 76ers. Six attempts per game, and he's shooting 41%. It's looking nice. Korkmaz is shooting five a game, hitting two, 43%. Mm. Danny Green's at 44%. And Seth Curry is on five attempts per game, 50%. Wow. So they have guys just absolutely spacing the floor in the best way possible. Like, it's nice to see. Maxi himself only shoots two a game, but he's at 33%. Tobias Harris, for the short period that he played, was at 32%. Let's see here. Bible's 31%. So yeah, Philly, Philly's looking looking pretty solid. I mean, they I think what helps them the most is I think they all get along really well. Really. I really do. (laughs) Right. Literally, except for that, I think he's the one bad egg in the bunch. I think this team has a lot of chemistry together. I think Doc has has a good hold on what he has on this Mm -hmm. roster. I mean, to all his faults, he at least can get a decent bit out of his players when he has a solid set of guys. Obviously mm-hmm. he's, he's a respectable NBA coach as much shit as I try to give him. Uh, at the end of the day though, it, it really comes down to, you know, Joel's health though. That just can't be over overstated at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with what we've had in the past from him. Uh, but back on to finish up my thoughts on Brooklyn, uh, sitting 21st in offensive rating right now. James Harden, 17 points a game, seven rebounds, nine assists. Not looking terrible in terms of a stat line. The p- scoring is slightly down. Um, where's his free throw attempts at? Nine free throw attempts a game. That's projected. Hang on. Let's see here. Seven. He averaged seven last year uh, free throw attempts. He's sitting at f- like four now. Four or five, regress. Yep, currently, uh, and you know that's yeah. that people are obviously pointing the finger at the the role change there. Uh, f- free throw percentage last year was eighty five. He's actually shooting higher right now at eighty eight. So the attempts are down, but the percentage is up. Um, so you know it's it's interesting to see with him what's going to happen if he's really going to be able to turn it on and be back in the top five, top three MVP conversation like he usually is. Uh, last year, I think he had a really big argument for it had he not had the blunder uh, that was his exit of Houston. But that was definitely held against him. Mm-hmm. And then let's look at the rest of their team here. LaMarcus Aldridge, 12 points, four rebounds, not even an assist. Not even an assist. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kevin Durant, 28 points a game, eight rebounds, five assists. KD's doing KD things, maybe not at the ultra super level quite yet, but still looking nice. Joe Harris. I'm worried about that too in the playoffs for them. Joe, Joe Harris. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to load he, his stat he line. He was bad. Yeah, and I think really they they need a lot out of him from defensively more more out of him defensively than I think he can give. Mm-hmm. Because he's yeah. kind of got that big body, but I don't think he's actually that good of a defender. Like he's not going to be able to get switched onto fours. Right. He's not yeah, going to be able to get switched too on much. 
Yeah. Bam will eat him. No kidding. Uh, Joe Harris, 11 points a game, four rebounds, one assist. So also not looking like extreme. Uh, I mean, I think you need probably 15 to 18 points out of the game, uh, in a game out of him, realistically, uh, especially without like Jeff Green. It just looks like the only thing he's hitting is threes right now. It seems like any other shot that he's taking, he's not hitting. But And he tries middies. I've watched multiple of their games where he attempts like hitting middies off of like little screeners right at the, like the elbow and stuff. Like Clay Thompson? Yeah, like Clay Thompson shit. And he can't. Hey, he's not effective at that position at all. You think that's what Steve Nash sees out of him though? Because he kind of has they him and Clay kind of have the same body if if not Joe Harris is a little bit bigger. But he's just Joe not Harris skilled defensively. Well, Joe Harris is 6'6", 220. Because remember, uh, Steve Nash was a shooting consultant for the Warriors mm-hmm. during their like prime years, like 2016 to 2018. Right. So like, I think that was... See, it's funny that they called him a shooting consultant, but I really think that he uh, was just taking coaching classes basically from Steve Kerr. <laughs> like He was mm-hmm. really trying to figure out how to be a part of an NBA offense from the coaching right. perspective. Yeah, but, he was probably really absorbing a lot from Steve. Clay's 6'6", 215. So Harris has five pounds on him, but they're, they're essentially the same size. Joe Harris just looks a lot bigger than him. Maybe somehow. But In body. Know. Just like like mass. Yeah. I don't know. But let's go ahead Clay and move on, though. obviously a lot more skilled defensively. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Clay's a step above, uh, for sure, defensively. I mean, prior to injury, at least, he was. But, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and move on uh, from the Brooklyn Nets there. Uh, What's your next take? So my next take will be a little vivacious, considering what he just did to the Los Angeles Lakers the other night. And that is Shea Gilgis Alexander will be an NBA All-Star this season. Damn. I really think so. He'll be one of like the 10 through 14 guys. But he'll be in there. He'll be a part of that All-Star team. Him and Ja both. Him and Ja, that would be awesome. Him and Ja both grab their first All-Star game. Love for that. Let's see. I could see it happening for Shea. Shay, th- this is what's crazy. Is everyone's like free Shay, free Shay? What? Wh- no why? He has free reign. Yes, and he's loving it. I think. I mean, there's nothing yeah. that's come out otherwise. I mean, no, no rumors whatsoever that he's not down with what Presti's doing right now. Looks happy. Yep. Is young has complete control of the offense. Twenty three point five points per game. Thirty eight, almost thirty nine percent from three on seven attempts per game. 45% from the floor overall, 81% from the free throw line on five attempts per game. So he is getting there. And, five rebounds and four assists. And I'm going to use a comparison to the Cleveland Cavaliers last year. Uh, they got two wins on uh, Brooklyn during the regular season. And like, yes, it's just a regular season. Yes, it doesn't mean that they could take them down in a playoff series or anything like that. But it ge- it gives a t- young team like that, a young core, young players like that, confidence when they're able to pull off great moments like that. For example, what uh, Colin Sexton did there in overtime against that one game in Brooklyn. Uh, like, yeah. What was it, like 18 straight points or something like that? Just looked incredible. <laughs> um, so moments like that mean a lot for a young team. 
So I would kind of compare what happened here with the OKC against uh, the Lakers. You know, they got a couple of these young guys and then just they're covered in tank talent pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not even really <laughs> talent. talent. <laughs> it's not even really talent, but uh, they're able to pull off like these two wins against the Lakers here in a short period of time. Uh, you know, a mega team that has just an ungodly amount of talent on it. Uh, it's pretty embarrassing for that organization, and it's pretty exciting for uh, a team like OKC and a guy like Shea, who's in the midst of this rebuild, but he's got full reign to just do what he pleases. Exactly. So there really is no reason to be upset. But you know what's going to really take them to the next level, OKC? They're flirting with showing that they actually have potential right now and not just a a legitimate tanking team, a team that's actually going to win a few games, not by accident. But, I mean... I'm not counting anything out in the West this year. The West is a shit show. I'm not going to say they're going to make the playoffs at all, but, like, their only two wins this year are against the Lakers. (laughs) That's pretty funny. But It is. But Shea is just... He is something else this year. He's really showing it. But what I really think could help OKC go to that next level is if Josh Giddy really develops as a point guard and mm-hmm. Shea moves to the two. Mm. Because, I mean, it, he looks like he's a playmaker. three, Almost four assists per game, four rebounds. But if Giddy can take over and still be 17 points per game with more like eight to nine assists, mm-hmm. and Shea can just create from the two spot. Take people off the dribble. Yeah, like, I mean, that's what he's doing right now just as the lead, though. But Mm -hmm. move Dort to the three because he can guard threes. Like this team would just be a couple good bigs away from being like actually good. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what OKC is really focused on. Who of their big men is really going to start showing out? I think they can have somewhat of a, and maybe they feel this way too, they can have somewhat of a breakout, not on the same level this year, but like a Memphis. Yes. Yeah. Like they, they have a Memphis young guy a like guys. Shea who can lead. Yeah. They have some veteran pieces, and then you might be able to fill in the holes. I just, I know, like, it's just so much to expect because they ha- they are two and six right now. Like, their record is not good, and they've had bad losses. Yeah, this year is going to be bad. But it's such a good step in the right direction if they keep it going. Because yeah. Shea is the only guy averaging over 13 points per game. So that in itself is a problem. Yeah, that is a big problem. If he gets all-star, though, this year, that would be nuts. That would be crazy for him. I really hope for it. But, that, yeah, I, I feel it. After what mm-hmm. he just did against the Lakers, I feel like, you know what? This guy really has a chance to be an all-star this year. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'll go, ahead and, I'll go ahead and move on to my next take. Uh, trying to think of which one to pick here. I'm going with it. The Wizards will finish six or higher in the Eastern Conference and will not face the play-in. I think that's hot. I don't think a lot of people have faith in faith in them right now. Mm. I don't know because six and three right now in the Eastern Conference, sitting at sixth place, right there with the Knicks. That's I kind of expected. I feel like they made good moves over the offseason that were going to help fill in the the gaps for them. And it's working out for him. So, obviously, I think they're better than Boston. Mm -hmm. Right now, they're looking better than Atlanta. I think they could be... Have they played New York yet this season? 
Uh, I don't think they've played New York, honestly. That would be an interesting game. Right now, they're sitting 11th in offensive rating. They're right outside of the top 10. Defensive rating. Let's check here. Defensive rating there, 21st. Mm-hmm. Pretty far away that way. I don't know. It's just like looking at them from top to bottom. I'm like, this team should be able to do that. They should be in the sixth seed or higher. So I, I definitely think that's something to keep watching out for, though, is that the Wizards keep on this kind of a rise like this, make it to the sixth spot. Mm-hmm. See here, I was just trying to see what Bradley Beal's been putting up since we last talked about him. I know, I'm loading up some stats from their team. Three of 11 from three on the 1st of November. Yikes. Against, against Atlanta, and they lost mm. by seven points. So they've traded games with Atlanta, but no, they have not played New York yet. They beat Memphis by 28 last night or two nights ago. Has Memphis been slumping lately? I think they've kind of, yeah, they're kind of cooled down five and four. I guess they've been around 500 all season. But Jaws for 100 possessions. points a game. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, he's, he's regressing a little bit. Uh, per 100 possessions, the Wizards are 13th in field goal percentage. 45. It's not bad. It's nice. It's not bad at all. See, since Bradley Beal's three-point percentage has been 30% over the past few days when since we last recorded, so it's gone up some. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely helped them out, but he's still at 23 points per game this season. He's going hard. But yeah, like this team should, has talented wings around Bradley Beal, and like they got the Lakers bench. <laughs> yeah, the Lakers bench. So I mean, he should be able to run with this. Now, a different conversation is how far will they make it? Will they make it past six games in the first round? Their first round exit. What if Brad Beal and Dame just get traded for each other? <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. That would be so ridiculous after all this time. Oh my god! It would—I mean, both would be in the same situation they're in now. Exactly, but in completely unfamiliar places. Yeah, it'd be horrible. <laughs> it's like <laughs> life swap, pretty much. Uh, go ahead and uh, hop to your next one. So my last one for the evening, and this one is probably the hottest one that I have. Memphis, or not Memphis, Minnesota. You're never able to keep your big men happy for some reason. You've seen it before with Kevin Garnett. And now Carl Anthony Towns will be the next one to demand a trade out of Memphis, or Minnesota, Damn. either before the tread line or this offseason. Cat to the Warriors. Now that's something to think about there. And I would hate to see it myself, but I'm thinking more cat to the Phoenix Suns. For Aiden? For Aiden. 
for Aiton and Sarge. People talking about Carl Anthony Town trade rumors right here when I first thing I Google about him just like 24 hours ago. Really? Yep. Would you do that deal if you're the Suns, though? Aiton, Sarich, and who's their backup point guard? Campaign. Aiton, Sarich, think, and Cameron Payne to Minnesota for Carl think, Anthony Towns. I think eight, you get so much more defensively out of Aiton that I don't want. I don't want to risk that. I would Aiden, risk it because, one, that opens up the floor completely. Cat can stand in the corner and above the break and shoot threes and is willing to. That opens driving lanes completely up for both Paul and Booker, which is where they want to work in the mid-range anyways. So Aiton, not having Aiton's presence in the dunker spot would be different, yes. And they would have to, I mean, they could just start Cam Johnson at the four. I feel like that would work right beside beside Cat because Cam Johnson works well on the interior and Cat could work on the exterior and get his own shot. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. going to have post-ups, but the fact that their offense could take two, three steps with Carl Anthony Towns in the mix there, that's something to trade Aiton for. You could just sign and trade Aiton to the maximum contract extension and ship him off for, for Cat. It's it's a hot take, but I think it's completely possible. I guess uh, just here recently, um, a lot of people got fired up with Cat because he liked a tweet on social media saying hashtag free Cat, but he came out the next day and said that his account was hacked and his agent had hit him up when he woke up in the morning and was like, what yo, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, dude, that sounds like you're covering shit up. Yeah. Why like, lie? That doesn't look smooth at all. <laughs> He made like this whole like, post of a transcript he had with his manager. Like it just looks way too canned. No kidding. Yeah, I don't believe that at all. Man, former number one pick just even, in the dust, just like Wiggins. Yep. And look at Wiggins giving legitimate value to the Warriors. Right. Like he's a better version of Harrison Barnes for them. And it's just mm. crazy because that could have been Wiggins in Minnesota all along, but maybe mm. not. Their culture is just terrible. Yeah. I mean, you all dating back to when Jimmy was there and that whole drama is just, you're, they're notorious. Jimmy for not just having didn't a good take culture. any of it. Yeah. He just, it was yeah. so against him. You know what I mean? Like he, that's just mm-hmm. against his being. <laughs> <laughs> That guy's a dog. All right. That's I'll why go ahead and move to Miami. Oh, yeah. Which is just, they're awesome. Uh, we're going to have a blog post coming out here soon by Sam about Ty- Tyler Harrow uh, and the incredible things Ooh, that he's nice. been doing. Clear six man of the year front runner right now, obviously. Uh, and props to him because he was talking shit about, you know, there's being shade thrown at me and I should be. I should be up there in the conversation with Luca, this, that, and the other, and Trey. And not now, I'm not saying he is at that level, but props to him for at least stepping up and really assuming this six man role and just being a, mm-hmm. being a scorer for them. And he's looking nice. So uh, we'll have that blog post out soon. My last hot take the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mitch, oh, better no. tune into this one. <laughs> the Cleveland Cavaliers will move. Darius Garland by the trade deadline. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Now, well. Everyone always says Sexton, but I think it's yeah. Garland that's on the move. Garland and Okoro and 
I think they're still Love. a sleeper for Philly. Love? I think they're still a sleeper trade uh, destination for Ben Simmons. What if that's just what Cleveland wants? Ben Simmons, Colin Sexton, Larry Markkinen, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. Legitimate tall ball outside of Sexton playing the off ball to shoot threes. I think Markkinen's gone. Damn. Half season In that rehab. situation. Huh? What if that's what they told him? They were like, hey, we're going to trade for you, but we're going to give you a half season or rehab to be able to find your way onto a contender because we're doing a deal with Philadelphia. <laughs> yep. Yep. So he comes out looking hungry and dunks on jo- no, uh, Nikola Jokic like that, and everybody's like, oh my God, he's back. <laughs> I don't know exactly if it's going to be Philly that ends up with it, but I do think Garland's going to be moved by the trade deadline. Uh, I think one of Sexton or Garland is gone, and for some reason, I've always thought it would be Garland, not Sexton, even though all the all the rumors around Sexton. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Cavs look good. Like, don't get it twisted. I mean, they're having a nice start to the season. Uh, let's see where they at. Uh, seventh right now. Um, so technically, they'd be in the play-in if the season ended today. But they're six and four. Check out their ratings here. Mobley is really inspiring something in them defensively. Yeah, he is. Like, Mobley looks nice as hell. They're like, I remember I was upset that they got rid of Larry Nance Jr., but Mobley is like twice as good as Nance is on yep. defense. And he is a rookie. This guy looks crazy. Yeah, I always like Nance on that team, but Mobley is real and it's awesome. He's already had multiple uh, double doubles in this season. Uh, Colin Sexton sitting on 16 points, three rebounds, two assists, shooting 45 from the field. Pretty bad from three. Yeah, from three. From three, yeah, 26 from three. Uh, Garland, how are we doing here? Garland, 15 points, two rebounds, seven assists. He's looking like the better trade piece right now. 40% from three, too. It's almost six attempts per game. 48 from the field. I mean, in terms of a stat line, he's got the better stat line right now. He might look more appealing to teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the really reason I like Sexton gonna... is because he can run. And yeah, I think this can. team can be deadly in transition. Mm-hmm. He'd fit right in with Joel Embiid. <laughs> True. Darius Garland would. Yeah, Darius Garland would. A little pick and roll with him and Embiid. That little midi midi floater that he has. Mm-hmm. Jared Allen, 14 points, 11 rebounds, one assist. Evan Mobley, 13 points, seven rebounds, two assists. I mean, these boys are working. They are. Both Mobley and Allen are averaging a block per game. Markinen is right there with almost one block. Isaac Okoro at the two guard is at almost one block per game. So they have four guys cl- averaging close to a block per game. like, And they were pretty good in defensive rating last year. Um, that was something that they really prided themselves on. Mm-hmm. And uh, Remember they really, started off the season for like a two, three-week stretch where they were like the number four defense. Yeah, they were like in the top four for a decent stint. And uh, it was definitely winning games for them. I mean, you could just 
you could tell that was positively affecting their winning percentage. Let me check their defensive rating here. But yeah, with the, the the thing as I try to find a defensive rating here, the thing with uh, that backcourt of Sexton and Garland, it just never has truly fit a hundred percent. I mean, they've had their moments for sure. Seventeenth defensive rating, twelfth. Yeah, they're see that. That's what I was looking for. Defensive rating, looking nice defensively. Yeah, looking above average, but still a little bit behind offensively. Their net rating is negative 0.5, so they're still getting outscored. So there's a couple steps that still need to be taken before they're a legitimate threat, it seems like. So we'll see how the course of the season goes for them. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to lie. I like Mobley a lot. I love what I'm seeing from him. Like, it's so nice that the top two... Well, do they consider him a center or a power forward? He's like a power forward. He's like a hybrid four. four. He's probably... How tall is he? He's probably like KG. He's seven foot tall, but doesn't want to play center. Mm-hmm. Plays the power forward and plays it well. If he but, can develop a corner three, like a consistent one. That'll be. <laughs> that's going to be deadly. He'd be like the absolute best version of Chris Boucher. Mm-hmm. With Bam Adebayo-esque. Yeah. So I'm glad we started talking about net rating here because. There's something I want to talk about with the Los Angeles Lakers. You got one more hot take, right? No, I already it? did my last one. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we can move into this Lakers discussion then. So, they lost to OKC, obviously. But for some reason, it seems like OKC is just the team that has their number. Like, that's just the bad team that they're going to be losing to this season, it seems. So... I don't know. I feel like there's not a lot to be worried about there. Russ did have a one for 13 game, which is absolutely dreadful. Like he could not get anything going. And it's even worse that it happened in Portland, which is a place that already hates him. The Russ stands in the LA fans are at a war right now. It, it's going to come around. Uh, people just need to have more patience than what they have right now with Russ. But it looks bad again. Like you said, when this season, when it's going to look bad, it's going to look bad. Mm-hmm. Like, and it has, but <laughs> it definitely has. Oh, They're relying on Carmelo has. Anthony to just save them. It's <laughs> not sustainable. Carmelo Anthony, a guy who was sadly almost out of the league two years ago, right? Has completely like, rehabbed himself to a, I mean, to a it's, different level the last it's three great seasons. For Mello. Oh, yeah. I love to see it. Don't get me wrong. I really do. Uh, I love Melo as a player. What he means to the game of basketball is incredible, especially like the Olympic uh, legacy. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, just just a huge part of that. Uh, Melo, though, sitting on 16 points a game, three rebounds, one assist. Shooting 48 from the field, 49 from three. I mean, just looking real <laughs> nice. absolutely ridiculous. He shot 40 last year from three. So he is above his head right now. Above his fucking head right now. He loves it. He's the number one offensive option for the Lakers right now, essentially. Six attempts a game, too. That's so nice. Just make him fire from three. Yep. But they look bad. <laughs> yeah. God, looking- it looks so bad. <laughs> they, they don't have an identity at all. Yep. 
it's got to come and it's got to come quickly. But as funny as that sounds, but it's just it's similar to like what's going on in uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, there's just a loss of identity. Yeah, they're just dyads of each other. You know, they're going to come together at the end of the season, though. Los Angeles versus Brooklyn in the NBA finals. I pray to God we've wanted it now. Two for, seasons. Yeah, like two seasons pretty much, and we just haven't gotten it. It's just the obvious ESPN ending. LeBron versus KD. I mean, it's just what we deserve as NBA fans. LeBron and KD have a score to settle. LeBron and Russ versus KD and Harden and Kyrie. It's just what? unreal. <laughs> like, all those guys are so intertwined in their histories together. Yep. Oh, my God. Dating that's back why, to uh, Baby Thunder. And the Cavs, the 2015 Cavs. Yep. <sighs> Kevin Love's going to find his way into that mix on either LA or Brooklyn. No, Kellen, Kevin Love, Kellen Love is going to find his way onto Philadelphia with Darius Ugh. Garland and Okoro. Ugh. Ugly. But what I was going to bring up here was we were talking about net ratings there. And again, these are just stats, but fourth quarter Lakers. Where do you think they're sitting at offensively? Like low. Number five offense. Really? Fourth See, quarter. I thought they'd be low in the fourth. Fourth overall best net rating at plus 12. Number 12 defense, number five offense in the fourth quarter. So they can step up in the fourth. What do you think their third quarter is? That's what's low. 27th offense. Oh, my God. 28th overall defense. So are they getting beaten third quarters? Getting outscored by an average of 23 points. Oh, my God. So there's a lull there. Yeah. There's an offensive lull. Yeah. And you know what I was thinking then? I'm like, some of these fourth quarter minutes are garbage time. Mm -hmm. That's why they're so inflated. It's just, that's awful for the Lakers. Like, I mean, they were floating around average to above average in the first and second quarter, but those two, like, that's where games are decided in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah, like, it's just insane that they are getting absolutely outpaced by that much in the third quarter. That gives them no chance to build any real momentum going into the fourth, and it's always going to put them in a worse position. Yeah, because, like, yeah, although you're doing pretty decent in the fourth, like, you got to be at least be close. You're getting outscored 23 points a game. You're going into the fourth quarter underwater. Exactly. You're not at a good position to make a run. And the fact is, they have two rhythm shooters out on the floor at the same time in Russ and Davis. Mm-hmm. So both of those Russ, guys have... far to- more of a rhythm shooter than Davis. I mean, right. Davis has looked a lot better this year. Well, see, that's one thing I was going to break up here, bring up here as well, is Davis is actually off to a little bit of a worse start than he was last season. Just marginally, though. We're talking like a couple percent. I think it's passing the eye test a lot more, though. Yes. But Russ also is up to almost identical stats as what he did through the beginning of last season, the first 10 games that he played. Russ Mm -hmm. in the first 10 games that he played last season, 18.9 points, 9.3 rebounds, and 9.6 assists. 38% Mm. from the floor, 33% from three, 65% from free throw. This is off of 18 shots a game, five, almost five threes a game, averaging five turnovers, five turnovers to nine assists. Last biggest season, thing, 
Big. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Or no. This current season, 19 points, eight and a half rebounds and 7.9 assists, 41% from the floor overall, 26% from three, 62% from two. That's pretty much identical. Who do you think has a higher three-point percentage right now, Russ or Davis? I'm going to say Russ. He does. Davis is bad right now, shooting 14 from the three. That's got to get That's got to get up. Shot exactly. 26, 26 for the season last year, 33 in the bubble season. Field goal percentage right now is looking good at 50. Last year was 49. But yeah, that three's got to get up. Yikes. Yeah. 14. He's just got to get those point- attempts up, too. He's got to go up to like th- four or five a game. Yeah, he's only got two attempts right now a game. He just needs to start shooting more. 23 points, 11 rebounds, two assists. Like, he should be getting five to six more shots than Russ. Right now, he's even with Russ. Yeah, yeah. They need to be feeding him a lot more. He needs to start taking those like rhythm walk-up threes like Giannis does. Yep. And they'll give him space to shoot it because he's shooting 14%. Right. And then he'll be able to find a groove. Here's the thing. They look best when Braun's out there on the floor with him and they can run that, that pick and roll. Exactly. Yep. I mean, just the fucking classic AD Braun pick and roll is still to this day unstoppable. Do you think that's where this team is going to have to head in the direction of? They realize that they can't play Russ alongside Braun and Davis and that Russ leads the bench. And they've looked best when they stagger Braun and Russ as much as possible. Yep. Because they just overlap. I think I think Frank is going to have that by the end of the season. I think that's yeah. he's going to realize, okay, in or, the rotations in order for us to win, we have to be very, very, very solid on our rotations mm-hmm. in terms of who we have out there on the floor together in what moments. And obviously, every team has to worry about. But this, I think they have a lot more riding on it than any other team. Um, you really got to stagger that. And the moments when fucking Russ is in there, he, for the love of God, he has to set ball screens. He had one game so far where he set like six ball screens for LeBron and they looked nice. Yep. They need to Russ stagger the minutes and when he is playing with them, he better be setting screens for him. Yep. It I sucks mean, it really that comes to down to that. that out of him, you know, like I know like it's like, dude, this is what you need to do to win a championship right now. You need to really slow the hell hard. down. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. He needs to slow down. And get on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. I think Davis and Braun are on the same wavelength. Oh, they have been for, what, three years now? I feel like they've been on the same wavelength since they've started playing together. Mm-hmm. They're just a natural fit. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, it's like, I just... It looks scary in LA, though. It is. It doesn't I'm look good. worried. I mean, I... My initial reaction to that was a little bit of frustration that the Lakers couldn't let that one get secured. Like, but before I had real excitement for Oklahoma City and what it really meant for them. But like at the same time, like the Lakers have got to get it going and get it underneath them because yeah, the Nets aren't off to a a quick start either. But the Nets are also fourth as the Lakers are in tenth. Mm -hmm. Like they need to be winning a couple more games here and looking like they know how to piece it together, even if they don't have it pieced together. And you start looking like a basketball team. That's for sure. So any other bur- still- any other 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. We're still a month away from Tucker and Kendrick Nunn to be able to play. About the same mm-hmm. amount of time for Ariza. Dwight has been dinged up. He has a neck injury that he's been rehabbing. Horton Kendrick, Tucker and Nunn are going to be huge. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be able to open up the floor for them in a lot more ways. Like, mm-hmm. They need those guys to be able to run the offense. Especially it's, the garbage time minutes. Well, arguably, that's not the problem because they're fourth in offense in the garbage time minutes. So let that's, that keep. <laughs> yeah, but that's just mellow, literally being ridiculous, probably. Austin Reeves. Yeah. Hey, you know what? That's our next Caruso. <laughs> it just he's, is. He's not scared offensively. I respect that. Yeah, he's, he's he the, takes shots. He he's got some room to grow, undoubtedly. But he's our next Caruso. I fully believe it. Austin Reeves. Let's get a look at him right here, real quick. For the love not afraid to just yeet the ball. Averaging almost three. Three threes per game in 20 minutes a game. 5.9 points. Shooting 36% from three. 100% from the free throw line on .7 attempts. Takes an average of four shots altogether. But those shots are always like rhythm shots. You know what I mean? He's like, he can create his own. Tough to say if he'll be getting minutes once none and Horton are back too. Yeah. And I also don't like the Sekou Demboya minutes. And I also don't like the DeAndre Jordan minutes either. Sekou Demboya is on their team now? Yeah. They picked him up that. because he got cut from the, or he got traded from the Pistons and then cut from the Nets. What? Yeah. I didn't so know they he, got him. He was just out there. Yeah. I mean, they could, if he turns into something defensively, that's what they would need as a defensive forward. I feel like a fucking loser of a Lakers fan. Uh, <laughs> Avery Bradley's been getting a lot of minutes too. And I think that'll potentially tone back a little bit with none and uh, Tucker. But well, he Bradley's big for them defensively. Arguably, when, like, uh, what's his name? Ariza and THT and Nunn all come back. Bazemore's minutes will go way down. Mm-hmm. Monk will go less. Ellington less. Rondo more. And Bradley, I would say more. Bradley needs to be getting more of Bazemore's minutes, I would say. Uh, they need to run some more Rondo and AD more through this season, too, just to get that chemistry back for the playoffs. Yeah. They're going to need that Rondo and AD connection in the playoffs. And at the very beginning of this season, uh, it was either game one or game two. There was a couple moments where they were both just clicking so well together. And it was just, I remember writing down the note for one of our podcasts to talk about. It It was like one of the things I noticed most. I was like, that connection is real. And (laughs) it's just so crazy. Yeah. It's, it's always kept it up. But yeah, they're in trouble. They're not, they're definitely in trouble. So their next five games, Charlotte at home. I feel like they can win that Miami at home. That one's going to be something. And that's only three days away. So LeBron is not going to be back for that either. So that's going to be a challenge. Minnesota, they can win that one. And then they play the Spurs at home and then Chicago at home the Spurs in Chicago are back to back. So I feel like they could split that. They can beat the Spurs again mm-hmm. and then they might have trouble with Chicago. So one, two, three, three and two during that stretch, which would keep them just above 500 to eight and seven. Hmm. They're going to need, they're going to need that or better. So to really get this under control. I mean, that's uh, my baseline for them, you know? Right. 
And they're they're a trade deadline destination, in my opinion. But I'm really not liking this Eric Gordon talk at all. I'm not I'm not for it. <laughs> I heard Nate Duncan mention it today too, and I'm like, God damn it, I don't want it. Why like, not? Eric, he's like Eric Gordon would just fit perfectly into what they're he doing. would. And I'm like, get he out of here. He would. That's I'm why I texted that it. to you last night. Because I'm like, if Eric Gordon, who's small forward size, can play the two, took Ellington and Monk's minutes right now, the Lakers would have marginally better offense. He just would reckless, be, be recklessly eating the ball. Get him out there to do that then. Take all Russ's three-point attempts, let Eric Gordon take him. Eric Gordon is historically a much better three-point shooter than Russ. Hmm. I've said and it can before. Him. I've said it before. I wish Norm Powell was on this team. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. I wish Norm Powell was their sixth man. Man, that would have been... They could have done that last season. I they said it last been, season. They could have got Kyle Lowry last season, though, too. Mm. Yeah. That's another mistake I'll never forgive them for. <laughs> really. <laughs> Kyle Lowry should be a Laker. He should. Oh, well. Because they're vibing in Miami right now. Yep. Miami is the one that won that shit. Uh, let's go ahead and get out of here, though. We're sitting on about an hour. I uh, hope you all enjoyed our hot takes here, and uh, we'll see what uh, fire back we get from these. Uh, if you guys have any hot takes, definitely uh, get at us on Twitter at Poddip, Poddip on Instagram at the Dip Pod, uh, website www.thedippodcast.com. And of course, uh, download, share, and review the podcast. Leave us a five-star rating wherever you listen. Uh, We definitely appreciate all of that. Shouts out to Richardson, Texas. Shouts out to everyone that listens. Peace.